Uh, hi there. Uh, welcome to the second episode, second ever episode of Drowning in Content, an extremely online podcast. I am Charlie, uh, and uh, we today have another wonderful special guest. Please introduce yourself uh, for everybody. <laughs> hey, I'm uh, Alison. I'm uh, joining here out of London, actually. I didn't know it was the second episode. That's really cool. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I don't know a bit about me. Uh, so originally I studied physics, and uh, now I'm working on a business in the open banking space. Awesome. Cool. Uh, well, a little bit about me, I guess. Uh, I, um, <laughs> I don't know where to start. I work at a restaurant. I, uh, I cook for a living. Um, but I've been doing a podcast for about four years. Uh, oh, go. Cool. And uh, I don't know, musician. Uh, you know, I just, I'm, I'm on the, the point of this show, the whole point of the show, obviously, is that I just find myself online all the time. Uh, I've kind of pushed myself into that, like, creator space. And a lot, so a lot of that revolves around Twitter and, uh, Instagram and stuff like that. So, uh, I, th- I think, like, <laughs> I, I spend so much time online, but people who spend a lot of time online, they tend to have their own, uh, circles or their own like little things so my my whole thing is i like to explore what other people uh, are looking at and what they're thinking about so that i don't have to go find it for myself so uh so you also have a podcast is that correct uh i do yeah uh i don't fully keep up with it as regularly as i should but uh yeah i it's i can't i kind of use it as like i don't like the, the way people describe a journal as like, ah, uh, you know, you kind of write about what you're thinking about, whatever you learned. Don't. I kind of use it like that, but I also, you know, this is a little secret, but if there's someone I want to talk to that doesn't want to talk to me otherwise, <laughs> I can kind of be like, come to the podcast, share yeah, your it's, experience. Yeah, it's, it's really great for And that. surprisingly, they'll end up talking to me. And uh, unfortunately, what does happen is uh, sometimes they come and talk to me, do like an hour-long episode of the podcast, and then afterwards they tell me, hey, I don't really want to put that out there. But my main goal of getting to talk to them has kind of succeeded. So yeah. I guess at least it's a 50% win. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, what happens with podcasts is someone's like, oh, if, if it's important enough to record it, like maybe like we can actually like they, they feel like they can they can really say something like important. And so you end up having like kind of more depth to these conversations, even if they're like, oh, hey, maybe don't put that out. <laughs> but. Yeah. Still, yeah, no, uh, there's some kind of uh, gravitas to it. You know, it's being recorded for posterity. We have to make it count, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Do you listen to a lot of other podcasts or anything? Uh, I kind of do. Like, <clears throat> I, I listen to a lot of different stuff, uh, depending. Because, uh, like, I, I always have something playing in the background. Um, like, I do like listening to music. I just most of the time don't end up doing it. So it's usually either an audiobook or some podcast. And a lot of them end up being something that somebody recommended that specific episode or it randomly pops up when I'm looking for something and I end up listening to it. So I think it's I'm much less kind of loyal to a specific podcast and more so just like the format is uh, quite a good thing to just have in the background while you're, you know, working. Yeah, I I find I feel a lot of the same way about uh, Twitch streams, 
where it's it's it's, it's long form. So if I miss something, I don't really miss out that much. Um, and yeah, you can just put it on on the side. I, especially if I'm editing or or doing computer work, I love that. Just have something to the side of me um, that I can tune in and out of at will. Uh, yeah, and I and I find podcasts especially I I need like a specific time and place because like some you know I want to pay attention to a podcast. I want to have the the time to to give it. Um, and uh, so I find like if I'm on doing a long drive, I'll go on a I'll, I'll listen to podcasts. Um, mm. So I end up saving episodes <laughs> for like months, and then you know drive for four hours and listen to you know three podcasts, three uh, episodes. Fair, fair. I think for for me when I'm driving, uh, I prefer like audiobooks because I, I like because usually because I don't you know being in London right now, I don't get to drive that much. Yeah, uh, true. You know. It's not like the U.S. where you can just go on and on and on. There's mostly everywhere you have to take public transport or it ends up being super expensive to go by car. So whenever I do drive, it's usually like, you know, like I've driving, I don't know, from Czech Republic to the U.K., which is like 16, 20-hour drive. Oh, wow. And I prefer having like one continuous piece going. So like I usually try to do like audiobooks for that kind of stuff. Because I don't like it, like because when it stops and it's like now there's the new thing, I'm like then I would spend like half an hour deciding what next. But because um because it's an audiobook, it just runs the whole time. So you know you pick some I don't know, thirty forty hour audiobook, you play yeah. it at double two and a half speed, and it's about perfect. Yeah, yeah. I I, I just I find like music every you know where every like four minutes it, it changes, and maybe if the song comes up, I don't want to I don't want to listen to that right now, so I gotta skip it, find something else to listen to or something. So yeah, uh, podcast or audiobook, yeah, perfect. Where it's yeah, it's just continuous. Well, especially you know what I find uh, audiobooks on like flights. I'll listen to an audiobook. I listen to like Michael Pollan, just you know, uh, nonfiction text. <laughs> Fair on flights, I just work. Uh, like, like flights are the best place to work because it's the one. Because if you're somewhere, you know, if you're somewhere like not on a plane, people keep interrupting you. But on the plane. Even though you you know you technically have internet on a plane, you can kind of get away with being like, ah, oh, yeah, I can't respond. I'm on a plane, yeah. and just ignoring it. So it's like the best place to work. Oh, like yeah. if 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 I could just like whenever I have like long stretches of continuous work to do, I could just hop on a plane and just fly <laughs> the whole time. Like I would get so much done. So uh, okay, so remind me, I we I know you filled out the form, and I'm sorry, I'm not totally prepared but so uh speaking of the internet social media if you're online if uh where do you tend to find yourself what do you what are you exploring uh so well let me check my screen time uh oh, that's yeah, one really good feature of uh mac i think i have but like two days ago it was like 24 hours yesterday it was 22 hours i spent too much time uh Wow. It's it, what's interesting about it. It's like a, a lot of it is more kind of like work, uh, or I, I, I call it work. Uh, but yeah, so let's say across all devices. Uh, yesterday, wait, it's not loading properly. Uh, is there a way to view weeks instead of days? This week, there we go. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> 
Safari, what on Safari? Yeah, it's like it's Twitter, it's YouTube playing something in the background, it's Spotify playing something just continuously, always. I think like I, I quite like YouTube if I'm paying a bit more attention to it, because yeah. uh, there's because you know with uh, with doing because uh, the new business that I'm working on right now. I am like because we're looking at open backing, which I'm somewhat new to. Uh, like obviously, you know, I have a pretty solid finance background, but I'm somewhat new to it. So I'm listening to a lot of interviews and podcasts with people in the space. Mm-hmm. And if it's someone where I'm like, I really want to listen to this, I will play it on YouTube just because th- that will kind of make me watch it more. So I'll be like paying a bit more attention. If it's someone kind of more lower effort, I'll just have it as like Spotify or something. And then, you know, I've like so many founders network through Twitter. But I'm kind of making myself use Twitter more because I'm like, this is what everybody's using. It's yeah. like it's so. I've gotten so many useful connections from just using Twitter uh, that I've like, it's just you have to kind of. It's, it's really weird. true, yeah. And it's it's especially with all the stuff Elon's been doing, it kind of makes me wonder what's gonna be the next. You know, if, is there gonna be a new uh, place that all these creators are going and things like that? I um. But it, making, I feel like he's making mostly better for creators, right? Because he's adding a lot of like long-form video and all that, right? That doesn't, yeah. doesn't really have much of a downside for creators. No, I mean, for for I mean, I think it's fine for that. But you know, if they make people pay, do you think most people will will pay? You know, whatever it is, a dollar a month or something for Twitter. I mean, maybe that much, but well, well, users won't pay, right? It's like if as a content creator, who gives a shit? And also. Meta is now going to make you pay, so it's like, what's the difference? Like, the same paid format that Twitter came out with, like, Meta came out with their version, like, three or four weeks later. Yeah, so the, the like blue. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I found myself, like, getting into Twitch, I, I find, like, most Twitch streamers, or not most, but a lot of Twitch streamers just advertise on Twitter, or, can, you know, you form those connections on Twitter. And it's crazy, just kind of like chatting and just posting stuff. I've gained a lot of followers. Now, are most of those followers like brand? They say they're like, they start hitting me up in the DMs. They're like, oh, do you need graphics made? I'm like, no, thank you. I get a lot of people <laughs> like that. But um, uh, yeah, it's, it, it clearly is uh, easy to, to see things and follow things. I think that's. And, that's cool. Or, you know, easy to reach people. Uh, mm-hmm. I've ne- I haven't found that kind of. I mean, I post on Instagram as well, but just not as much. I feel like I'm lazy yeah. <laughs> with Instagram. I don't. I feel like Instagram. I purely feel like I use it for DMs because it's like. Thing is, the, the weird part about this is, I, I really like photography. I, I do it for fun, but. Yeah. I'm just like, it's, I can't be like, Boston on fucking Instagram, I cannot be bothered. Like, I'll send it to some friends if they want it. I'll make prints or something. But Instagram, I can't fucking be bothered. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, was, I was, like, watching uh, tutorials, uh, like, how to post, like, the double picture, the double frame. And I was like, what? I'm going to take this picture into Photoshop and, like, cut it and twi- just to post it on Instagram? No. <laughs> I don't think so. It's, uh... It's like the the people who can curate their their time or their their feed or whatever, and they have all the they make the you know 
the tile pictures and was like, that's you're spending too much time. I <laughs> look that's cool, but Well if they enjoy it, who cares, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know, I'm I'm critical. I'm not, I'm not critical. I'm uh I'm judgy, I guess. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Okay, so uh but you yeah, I've, I've been get, getting back into or getting onto Twitter. I you know, I had Twitter since like two thousand eight and I just didn't understand how to use it, I guess, <laughs> until recently. I'm like, Oh, okay. Which is it's so weird. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've had Twitter for ages, but I also haven't been using it that much until like a couple of years ago. Because it's like the the format of it is quite interesting in the way where like if you if you just randomly tweet shit, it's like not that useful. But if you're if you follow like you know because we're doing open banking, because we're doing a startup, because of what we're doing with uh, right. stuff like that, if you follow people in the space. They will tweet out shit that's relevant. You will reply to it asking questions. You might learn shit. You will occasionally post stuff. Like it's, it's a really, it's like a lot of it's about how do I put this? It's it's a because people are kind of used to throwing stuff out there when they learn something, even if it's not like fully formed. Because right. on Twitter, like most people just don't post stuff that's fully formed. It ends up being a very good place to like just find out about shit. It's you're probably not gonna like learn a whole new skill, but you might find out about a skill that you wouldn't have known about otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I think there's, the the pipeline is like, you learn about something on Twitter, and then you follow it up on YouTube, and then you you learn everything about it on YouTube, and then, I don't know, maybe you find a, someone who streams that on Twitch or something like that. Twitch is always yeah. the, the bottom of the of the uh, the funnel, I guess, you know. It's, it's the place yeah, I think a, a lot of the like live streaming content creators have a very different relationship with their audience than basically any other content creator. It's it's right because if you strange, think about yeah. it, like the interact, like I remember some who was it? There's some major Twitch streamer that ended up coming over to YouTube. Uh, I think it starts with L or something. Uh, oh, Ludwig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he ended up being interviewed by like someone. Where he actually, where he was, it was not people who are like in the live streaming space. So they end up talking a lot about the actual like parasocial relationships that forms with, yeah. you know, the chat and things like that. And it was very interesting to like, kind of hear how radically different it is to basically any other audience anybody has anywhere else. Yeah, because it, it's so immediate. I think people, you know, you, you're responding to them directly. So I think people are, they form that kind of connection. Uh, I, I mean, I even see it in, in my chat as limited as it is. And it's, yeah, it's like, huh, this is weird. <laughs> it's a weird thing you're asking me now, but, um, yeah, it's, it can be intense. Spend, yeah. <laughs> spending a lot of time in that space. I, I've seen it. Uh, Fair. So, so you live stream yourself? Yeah, I do. I have a Twitch channel. Um, so oh, that's, okay. that's kind of why I got onto Twitter was because I was following a lot of Twitch streamers, um, and then I wanted, to, you know, then I started following the people that huddle around those, you know, those kind of bubbles mm-hmm. around those those streamers. So, uh, yeah, it, which is cool. You know, you can kind of directly talk to this community um, of like 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 minded people. And they're like, oh yeah, kind of recognize you. Um, 
so th- that part's nice, but yeah, <laughs> it does get kind of uh, where people are like, oh, you know, I love and defend this live streamer so much. He loves me, you know, <laughs> like he understands me. It's like, yeah. dude, there's 26,000 people in the chat or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you're just one person, but. Yeah, I think what's, what's very interesting is because I, I remember because I don't really consume Twitch, but I remember when I was much younger, I used to. And I remember it was mostly just, like, video game stuff. So I would, like, mm-hmm. occasionally watch it. Because uh, I used to, like, StarCraft and the main games for it were always streamed through Twitch. And I noticed that kind of more recently, a lot of the live content has pivoted more towards kind of, like, live conversational stuff. Mm-hmm. Where you end up having a lot of, like, almost basically like a live podcast type setting for a lot of streaming. And I think that's a lot more of a interesting integration and how that pivots because like cool people playing games live like that's very obviously kind of i get why people would want to watch that yeah but the much wider like mass appeal of it very much i feel like is with the kind of formats like like a live live podcast that type of stuff yeah no i i think it's um i mean i i i think the two trends are, are probably related that podcasts just continue to explode and uh, people are watching live streams when they want uh, that kind of long form content, you know, maybe just in their ear. Like I listen to Twitch streams at work as if it was a podcast. Essentially, I just, you know, put my yeah. phone over in the corner and have my my uh, AirPods in. So, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I don't know what I, I, I don't want to be the I, I don't want to draw any like. Uh, false conclusions or anything, but you know, people. I think people like that kind of long form thing where they can get invested. Yeah, it's kind of. It's very interesting how people like you know because a lot of people talk about how like the younger people nowadays don't have a long attention span, uh, and you know I'm 23, so I would very much be included in yeah. the people they talk about. But you notice that while a, you know a lot of, like you'll see so many fucking people scrolling through TikTok or Reels, or what's the YouTube one? YouTube Shorts. Yeah, shorts. Yeah, through shorts. And those are super short. Uh, but if you look at like what a lot of people then end up consuming after, it is very, very long-form stuff. Yeah. Right? Because there is, like, I think that this is, like, I think almost every podcast nowadays has to advertise through, like, making short clips out of their podcast to yeah. actually have people watch yeah. it. Definitely. But then so many young people do end up actually watching the full thing if they find it interesting. So I feel like short-form in a way, isn't just like an entertainment tool. It's it's very much effective at being a good discovery tool because a lot of the algorithms you have, for example, with you know like with TikTok's algorithm, it's like we're now just being like it's very fucking good at what it does, uh, which makes it an amazing discovery tool. Yeah, right. It's like G- Google is great at finding stuff you're searching for, but TikTok shows you stuff you didn't know you wanted to see. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of impressive. As much the issues as it has the aspect of like it is kind of a like discovery tool to find long form stuff that you actually want to see which is really cool yeah uh yeah i saw that video i think that it was a vox or something they they created a like a false tiktok account and then they just went through the for you page and just depending on the timing how long they spent on certain content it would feed more of that content which is just, I mean, <laughs> insane. 
uh, just you know fractions of a second it's using to calculate. Um, yeah. So that they, they. It's very it's very advanced. I'm, I'm, I, like you can you see there's people that are just trying to like there's actual research papers on the TikTok algorithm trying to figure out how exactly it works. It's crazy. Yeah, we certainly uh, the other podcasts I do I did yesterday uh, we do uh, clips for uh, for that. And it, like, that's that's part of the problem I have with like Twitch streaming and stuff is like I like making the long form part, but making the short form part is really hard for me. So, um, well, there's a lot of good tools that automate out a lot of it, right? Because short form, in its essence, if it's for a podcast, right, it's you take the script, so you take the you you transcribe it, you look at the script, you find the interesting parts of the script, and you cut it based on that, and that is like 98 percent of the work. And there's tools that can fully automate that. Oh, well. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to write this down. Uh, uh, it's like one of the better ones is called, I think, Opus Clips. Sorry, what was it? Opus Clips. O-P-U-S oh, Clips. Yeah, I, I use something called... Um, video.ai which like we can talk about how uh, AI is being used <laughs> in mm-hmm. all kinds of spaces but um, what it does it is tries to find so it essentially does that just automated but um, it like transcribes it and then finds it's what it thinks might be an interesting part which uh, to, to yeah. varying degrees of success <laughs> but it's it's pretty good I, I find yeah. it best. Like the thing is, like it still needs human creation, right? But yeah. the systems themselves are actually decent enough that it finds all the good parts. It just also finds a couple bad ones, so you have to like go over it manually. You do little fixes, but it changes what would otherwise take you hours to what's like thirty minutes of work. No, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it, it's that's really uh, really invaluable. It's you know, it's it's like one of those. Uh, kind of free trial thing so they give you like the limited amount of time uh, per yeah. month but uh, yeah you can video yeah. anyway um, so you said you do like to listen to the, to YouTube or watch YouTube I guess uh, are there any people in yeah this amount it's, uh, so I find like you know because I'm working on startups I do businesses and like my other areas finance I do quite heavily skew towards that okay uh, but one thing I find, like, what I find really impressive is the way, like, the way some people leverage, like, fucking content creation for very traditional businesses. Mm. So I end up watching more of those people, not to actually, like, listen to what they say in that sense, because maybe I'm, like, less interested in it, but in the sense of how are they actually using this to leverage it into what they're building? Yeah. Uh, because I find that aspect of it really interesting. So... A lot of, like, I'll mention a few, but, like, uh, a, a lot of them I end up watching because I find it really cool how they're, I guess, like, leveraging it, what they're building into it. Uh, I think one of them, which is probably the most impressive, is there's a guy called Alex Hormozzi who built basically, it's basically a private equity firm, right? Which, so investing into companies and then growing them. Or like, right. actually, technically, it's a holding company type structure, but besides the point, basically okay. private equity firm. And he's using his fucking social media following to get deal flow to a, to, from a, you know, 
by getting deal flow through a YouTube channel and like Twitter and shit. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> How does that happen? It's uh, <laughs> I mean that's it's crazy. I mean it 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 really is. I think the state of a lot of um. Of uh, business, or you know, all kinds of business now. Where it's like if you have the social media presence, then you have the kind of name recognition. Was it? Was, could you? What was his yeah. name again? I didn't. What was the first? Alex Hermosi. Alex. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. There's another. Uh, I forget the name of the channel. I can try and look it up. But uh, there's someone who's like he he deals in real estate. Um, he and his his business partner. So they. Oh yeah, you mean the New York guy who does like multi, like tens of, like tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars with the New York real estate. I, I think he makes like videos on it. There's a few, there's a probably a few so, different guys, but yes, that is one of them. I've seen I've seen that guy as well with that. Yeah. Because there's some that just make videos and that's their entire model, but there's two that I've seen where the model is actually using that shit to get deal flow, which is crazy. Because I yeah. remember seeing so, so there was someone interviewing him and he was talking about how i don't remember the exact numbers but basically he sold like a 50 60 million dollar penthouse because he made a video about it and some billionaires kids saw it and they were like i want that (laughs) so they called him right after watching the video and they closed the deal on the phone basically wow that's so he made what four percent commission on let's say 50 million dollars so he made like one point eight million dollars, right? Just right there, <laughs> off a video. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, yeah. Uh, I think I think maybe I need to change my mindset. I am, <laughs> I'm definitely the uh, the starving artist type of YouTuber. So <laughs> like, uh, I gotta get my mm. I gotta get my money up, not my funny up. Uh, <laughs> Well, to be fair, like you have, you also have people like Mr. Beast, who the way they've built their empire around it is also fucking insane. Oh my like god! Like his his entire thing is worth way more than a billion, like than a billion dollars at this point. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah, and he he like, claims he just puts all the money from the videos right back into the videos. And I'm like, well, you would, wouldn't you? I mean, <laughs> they keep making. Money. It's, it's the marketing, like the the advertising value of what he does is insane. It's like people can't keep up with how much his content is worth. Right, because like an ad spot of hit for him, it's like at this point like bigger than a Super Bowl ad. Yeah, people kind of like like the advertising budgets for social media right now for a lot of companies are smaller that they put into the entire social media thing than one of his ads is worth. <laughs> Jeez. And these are like Fortune 500 companies, right? Like billions and billions and billions of dollars of cash flow. But their whole social media budget is less than what one deal at him is worth. It's insane. Yeah, I I saw, I don't know if it was his most recent, but uh, one a few days ago was going to houses from $1 to $100 million. um, And it had... Miranda Cosgrove and Justin Tim- Timberlake just in the in the the, the the show in the house. It was incredible. Um, yeah, his. I mean, so I've watched a lot of uh, you know 
kind of things delving into his content. And he really did just, you know, he and his friends, they just sat and tried to figure out what is the, the best YouTube video, like in, in all metrics. (laughs) It's interesting to see how even now, like it's his formats are really changing. I remember again, I watched too many podcast interviews, but uh, there was an interview he's done uh, with, uh, I don't know their names, but the icon of their YouTube channel is like yellow, and it's like two guys, and they're like they're like videographers who have a big YouTube channel, and now all they do is like interview content people. Mm. But because of their like classic movie background, they ended up talking a lot about like the traditional story trope yeah. and how that's important to get audience engagement. And you can see how literally after that interview, so much of his content has shifted a lot more towards actually having that kind of format so he's still like significantly improving even now like so he's he's the biggest out there and it's still like there's still considerable improvements to be to be made so if someone like just learns what he's done and there's so much there's like plenty space to improve on it it's it's incredible how he he can he can see uh, like how every aspect, just uh, every little detail, uh, increases retention, and you can tell like how it's been kind of like streamlined, and uh, like the the thing now he does with the or that his editors do with the <laughs> they're always on the CGI globe, and for some reason a CGI tactical nuke blows up the city they they were just in. And it's now you can see that in the last like three or four videos, and it's now there's space lasers and stuff too. It's like, okay, so they found something that people like, it increases retention, and you know keeps the, the story moving forward. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's a lot to learn from stuff like this. It's like there, there, you know, there's an aspect of just consuming it because some of the stuff ends up being quite educational in its aspect, right? Like if you watch. Actually, Alex Hormozzi, his videos are actually, there's a lot to learn from them as well. But with a lot of these, what I find really interesting is what you can learn from it when you're not just watching it as like the consumer, but you actually try to think about how does it work? What can I change? What would I do better? Uh, Which is a bad habit of mine that I do all the time. Uh, (laughs) Like, How do I do this better? Um, And yeah, it's, it's very interesting, the the way different people work with a lot of the different like like relationships they have with different types of audiences, the way they work with retention, stuff like that. Because for me, right, because I'm a lot more, you know, I've got my own business and I have a new one and whatever, like one of the things that I really need to get good at is marketing and mm-hmm. branding and all of that. And, you know, I'm a, I studied physics. I know how to, I, I, I code in my spare time type of shit. Like I'm pretty technical, uh, as a person, so spending a ton of time on marketing, this like I'm like fuck, I don't want to. This is annoying, but I also understand just how important it is to kind of get it and learn it. Yeah. And consuming a lot of this type of stuff as like, I don't want to say free time because I like I'm mostly working all day, but as like the addition to work. Yeah. Uh, because to be fair, it does make me a bit less productive than. If I just put on music and just focused on the work a bit more, although a lot of my work is just talking to people, so whatever. Uh, I'm tangenting, uh, going on a tangent now, but there's a lot to kind of learn from a lot of these approaches 
for when you're trying to build shit, right? A lot of like a lot, a lot of people, especially in the U.S., talk about, oh, I want to start a small business, blah blah. If you actually watch a lot of this content to try to learn from how they capture people's attention, how they work with it, that's applicable everywhere. Yeah. Right? Whether you, for some reason, decide to pay for a billboard because you're crazy, or <laughs> you know you want to market through content or whatever else. Like there's, there's a lot to understand about how a lot of this stuff is done oh, that yeah. ends up being quite useful. Just, yeah, you know, I, don't watch it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, I'll go, to, uh, you know, uh, it's like, so I treat Twitch kind of like you said you treat treat your podcast where it's kind of like a journal. So I can just kind of rattle off for like three hours, you know, how I'm feeling, what I'm doing for the day. So it's, it's not like something I necessarily expect to grow super uh, quickly, but I was like, okay, I, um, I do want to learn how to do, you know, how to market myself a little bit more, get myself more out there. Be so. Uh, when I actually did, and I, again, AI and and uh, the stuff AI could do. I just asked Chat GPT what I should do, <laughs> and it, I was like, here's my schedule. You know, I work full time and things like this. You know, when should I do these things? And it's like, oh yeah here's you know you should post like three times a week and here's here's how you can fit it into your schedule like oh wow okay and then <laughs> i mean the problem is then making that content and being on on time and consistent but um yeah i found that very useful and it it like i i asked um like i, I came up with the idea for this podcast but i did ask chat gpt mm-hmm. like you know so I, I find that I find it as a tool very useful for that kind of thing where I have trouble thinking in that marketing sense, but it can kind of give me the the bare bones. Yeah, it's it's very interesting for a lot of these applications. I think that there's a, there's a super actually just another tangent. There's a super interesting research study that I've seen like two three days ago, maybe less than that, uh, which was looking at how well like uh, models like GPT respond mm. based on how nice to them you are. Interesting. And it found that if you're like, if let's say it's literally like, it has like, you know, people try to stop it from doing stuff, right? The developers. And yeah. what's very interesting is that by being nicer to it, like being very nice and be like, please, oh, you're doing such a great job. <laughs> it is so much more willing to just break all of its shit just to do whatever you ask it to do. And it does a much better job in like the quality of responses. Like there was some, there, there was some uh, like tests that they were putting it through. And on one where it was just asked super directly, no additional instructions, just like, Hey, what is this? Blah, blah, blah. It got like 35% on that test. And when they kind of added, we're like, Oh, you're doing such a good job. Nice. Blah, blah, blah. It got eighty percent. Huh. That's okay. Which is very cool. That's interesting. I uh, I do find myself typing please and thank you to the, like or like. There you go. That's a start. It's like it gives you gives me the response. I'm like, oh great. Now could you just rewrite it like this, please? You know. <laughs> but I well, do apparently find, makes it a lot more effective. I I do find it is what you put into it. I mean, you can't just expect it to give you a magical answer the first time um but i try and uh massage it give it as much information as possible um 
have you have you messed around at all or, or used at all any of the like AI image generation software or anything? Any of that? Uh, yeah, a lot. I I I, I used actually Midjourney quite a bit uh, for a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Uh, actually, there's a I didn't have to reach a point because I I kind of got like I was I was messing around a lot with Midjourney, and I have a friend of mine who I just text with all the time, and you know, instead of using like stickers or shit in responses, I would just quickly tell like Midjourney <laughs> to generate me one. <laughs> and I would have like the start of the prompt be always the same, which basically described exactly what she looks like. Oh, so wow. whichever thing I told it to make, it was always her in it. And it was the funniest shit. Because I was like, why the fuck does this all match me? <laughs> so that was uh, very amusing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Um, the one I was using is Blue Willow, um, which I believe just recently got acquired by LimeWire, which I didn't even know LimeWire was still around. Uh, <laughs> I thought LimeWire was just for uh, downloading illegal rips of CDs um, in 2005. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, that's interesting. But Blue Willow is pretty good. I, I was the... the... Yeah, I, I always uh, I always find this, the the prompt that I like keep copy pasted is like 4K Zeiss lenses, you know, cinematography <laughs> Roger Deakins kind of thing. Just like throw that in there, and it. Fair, yeah. fair. I think if if for like a low effort type of generation, like if you don't want to really learn how it works, because I feel like with Midjourney you need to understand some like which model you're working with and hmm. the quirks of how different models work and there's a bunch of extra settings and how to that you can change up to really get it to do what you want uh, but if you purely are just going after like let's just get something quickly good and stuff the Dali 3 integration with uh, GPT models is really fucking good oh, because okay. you just tell it hey make me a picture and you say of an apple and then it will write out the apple, and they will ask you, hey, do you want a green apple, red apple, do you not care, blah, blah, oh. blah. And you oh. can be like, well, actually, I want it to be an apple on a table. Uh, I don't care what kind of wood, but I want it to have the star-spangled banner in the background or something. And like you can kind of talk to it until it figures out what exactly kind of picture you want, or you can oh. just tell it, just figure it out yourself. And then it makes the versions. Interesting. And okay. it's, very inter- it's, it's very interesting how the GP, like the LLM model works together with you to get a very good prompt to then give Dali, which is like the you know image model, yeah. to actually generate something. So it's a very, it's like, it, it gives a lot more of an interesting result because the LM model is trained to understand what the fuck it's supposed to tell. Uh, Dali, which if you're starting with Midjourney and you tell it something like, I want a dog, it will do like a very shitty picture. Like it will do a dog, but it's not going to be very interesting. But if you work with it adequately, you can get a lot of these models to do a lot better, uh, which is quite cool. Especially with like, uh, but especially with like the way Dali is now integrated, it the input it, it gets directly from GPT is a lot more interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the other one I miss around is uh, Full Journey, and that does uh, video, or you know, video. It's like four seconds mm-hmm. of you know, slightly moving clips. Um, so I must, yeah, I've done, I've done that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah. 
Have you found your stuff using it much for for content, or have you just kind of been playing I with just, it? Just kind of like as a, as a few experiments, I guess. I um I asked GPT to write me like a truck commercial, uh, like a script for like a narration for like a like a truck commercial, mm-hmm. and then I tried to get Full Journey to make video to match that, and it, it was pretty good. It was funny at least, um, and then I, I just read it. Uh, I I have tried to use like the AI. Uh, voice simulators, but um, mm-hmm. none of the free ones are very good, is what I found with that. Yeah, because the cost of running a lot of these AI models is very expensive. Oh, yeah. So Absolutely. You have to, like, it's to get uh, to the, get to the good stuff, you have to be, like, paying for it. Because, uh, you know, they, they got to make profit. So, like, they got to be, the same thing is they don't even make profit. They still lose a fuck ton of money, but they got to be able to at least cover some of the costs somehow. Uh, but, yeah, I've been using, like, MidJourney a ton for like whenever I wrote some article about something, uh, I would often use Midjourney to kind of create the images for it. Because yeah. I would like, because oftentimes when you write something or whatever, like you have an idea of what kind of picture you want linked to it. But trying to figure out how do you find that on Google? Like there was one where I wanted, I wanted like a baby that was kind of half a robot sitting in front of a keyboard, <laughs> staring into a monitor, but this is all out in a street where there's like papers flying around. How the fuck do I Google that? How yeah. do I Google that? <laughs> exactly. Like, the fuck am I just search for? But with, with like, mid-journey, I would just, like, tell you, hey, I want this, 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 this is the art style, and it just makes it. It's, like, so convenient. Yeah. Yeah, I found, um, uh, even Canva has a, if you have, mm-hmm. like, Canva Pro, I guess, though they have, like, a pretty, is, I don't know if that if that's Dolly or what that is, but they have an image generation. Yeah, I think Canva integrates Dolly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So and the, the 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 one that's different from like Dali and Midjourney uh, is Adobe has their Firefly model, right? Which is very interesting because it integrates like properly with Photoshop. Yep. So you can tell it like it, you can like or actually it's especially interesting with Illustrator because it it can make very good vector graphics of stuff that would be an absolute pain to make by hand. Yeah. But then you can tell it to like recolor stuff, remake it, restyle it, and it just. It it it, it work, It's a lot more optimized for the kind of approach a create like a, a creator or artist would be using if they were trying to use something mid journey or like that to actually make their stuff. So it's very interesting how like Adobe's model is just. I think in, in many aspects, in what it makes, it's not as good in some like uh, uh, to what for example you get out of mid journey, but the way it is more suited to then work with and the way you can kind of prompt it more with these multimodal LLMs is very interesting. Yeah. Sorry. Just... <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I've watched um, a couple of videos about using Photoshop and creating like a set mm-hmm. without having to use a green screen. So they... Um, shot a camera like that was on 90 degree angle, so it was shooting in portrait mode. And uh, then they just, you know, created the rest of the frame in Photoshop with the generative model. So, yeah. Uh, and they just had to put up like a few simple lights. So you have a totally new set with no, you know, a little bit of startup cost, but you don't have to change sets all the time. So. Yeah, I think those are especially interesting for so there's because the, you know if you use a green screen, 
there there's like systems that will like little a hardware piece which will mix uh, like which will just cut out all the green screen and it's like hardware based it's actually very very fucking good at it uh, and then you can mix in whatever other video source that you want to and you can then kind of start to integrate stuff where it's a lot more dynamic it's a lot more uh, refined in the way and it also like because if let's say if you right now you know want to kind of grow do your uh, chroma key or green screen out there is always when you just do it on a computer it's like a little bit of an imperfection you can kind of tell it's green screen but some of this hardware is really fucking good at doing it and does it real time where you can like barely tell so you can use it for like live broadcasts and it does an insanely good quality and it can replace everything and like you can have uh, these AI models be like, hey, here's a desk, so always put a desk there. Here's this, always put that there. And it just, you, you could have like extremely dynamic models for this. Yeah. And uh, like nowadays people are working on like, three, you know, 3D um, models even from, from a lot, from these multimodal systems. And at that point, like, you could have just like a entire studio just kind of move around the camera even yeah. you know, with tracking and it would just work. Yeah, it's it feels like uh, it feels like filmmaking and stuff like that and and content creation is is gonna. I mean, it, we're already seeing it, people on the forefront, but it's gonna start exploding. Like live video production is yeah. gonna start getting really, really in, incredible pretty pretty soon. I mean, it's yeah. What, what, what's the most crazy is like if you like th- think back to like ten years ago, right? Like as a kid, when when someone said, "Oh, AI will replace stuff." It was always AI will replace drivers, AI will replace like shopkeeps or something. But the artists and the creative people come last. And now it's like, no, no, motherfucker, you're the first out. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all the artists are getting replaced first. Meanwhile, oh, you wanna you wanna drive a truck? Yeah, AI will fucking die. <laughs> well, I, I think more than uh, replacing all the artists, I mean, it's just it, it's that it gives everyone the tools to be an artist. It's it's more, you know, the the tools have changed. You don't need to learn how to mix paint by hand anymore. Yeah, but like what I mean by replace artists, like it's the the job of an artist ends up being like diluted a lot into like a lot more people can do it now. Yeah. Uh, the uh, speaking of AI and artists, uh, we still have the Screen Actors Guild strike here um, in LA, Hollywood, I mean all over the country. Um, and it mm-hmm. seems like the one point that the AMPTP will not budge on is they do want uh, the rights to uh, actors' uh, likeness. <laughs> you know, we scan your body, and we we. That's use... a great deal, right? For them, like, why would they be willing to give that up? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, it, they te- effectively uh, wouldn't need that. Actor. I mean, they, I mean, they would have. Yeah, let's like you have so many issues. Like, let's say you know you have a movie and the actor dies. You know, something horrible happens. It's like, well, now that movie's going to shit, or you you know, let's let's, let's not be as morbid. Let's say <laughs> they just have a massive disagreement with the actor or whatever, and they just can't stay on the set anymore. That's like a millions of dollars wasted on a movie budget, like. For them, from the investment into a movie side perspective, like yeah. it makes perfect sense that they'd be like, "No, fuck you, we're doing this, we want it." Yeah, 
yeah, and uh, I, I, I could I could even see it like if it was employed in that kind of way, if it was like um, the you know clause in the contract, like we will we'll have this, so if we need to fill in anything that you know, if you know if for any reason you leave the set or we need to do reshoots or whatever, like we won't call you back. We'll just you know fix it with this. I mean, depending on the situation, I guess. But but it's like, but what is a reshoot, right? If you shoot a <laughs> 10-minute commercial with them and then you can turn that by reshooting into a three-hour movie. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's true. See, that's why I I personally think there should be some kind of limit to that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I could see it in a, in a certain logical situations. There are uh, rough sets. I was just watching a video about this, you know, do you remember the James Cameron movie The Abyss? Uh, I've not seen many movies. Okay, it's uh, it was kind of his precursor to Avatar, essentially, um, and it's insane. It's an insane movie, but um, it, like it was all filmed underwater. But yeah, it was, you know, it was a rough set. Ed Harris ended up punching James Cameron, apparently. So I could see like in that kind of situation. I mean, obviously now a lot of things can be done in CG. I mean. We, we don't even really need AI, but I can see in, in something like that where it's like, I'm just leaving set. I'm not <laughs> going to do this. Well, what, who was that actor that like murdered one of their, like one of their people on set? Like they were running, they were running some scene uh, without the cameras rolling and they just shot one of their people. Cause they were like, I don't know. I, I have not heard that. It's pretty, that story. pretty recent. It was some. I remember it being some like, famous oh, actor. It was like a big oh, scandal. Oh. It was uh, Alec Baldwin in that new Western movie. That, maybe. That yeah, maybe that's it. He was. I remember was, some people talking director, about being like. It was the director of photography, and the whole, the thing uh, was he was supposed to point the camera straight down the barrel, of the, point the gun straight down the barrel of the camera, uh-huh. and uh, it was not supposed to be loaded, and he pulled the trigger, and it was loaded. Um. So that was yeah. But like it, it wasn't supposed to be loaded, as in like it was uh, it, an it, accident, or like you're saying like he fu- he did it on purpose. He because from I heard because I don't actually know what ended up happening. He claims yeah. I don't I don't see how you have a gun that's loaded. Yeah, he claims be. that um, he didn't know it was loaded. It was not supposed to be loaded. That's what he says. How? And how? this prop master, I guess. Uh, I can look it up, but I I've heard that there's this prop master has had problems before. Yeah, but how does that happen? How do you uh, if you pick up a gun, you check if it's loaded. How yeah. do you? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the article here. Rust prop master seeks dismissal from Alec Baldwin's countersuit over the fatal shooting. Uh, what? Hey, I, I don't I don't know what's going on with this. They're still like hashing it out in court. This was as of last year, I guess. Yeah, uh, I just I just don't get like you pick up a gun, even if someone says it's clear, you check it. Yeah, it's just an accident here. <laughs> like, how does that happen? Yeah, and I, it's uh, it, uh, it's such a weird situation. And she, you know, she was a. A well-respected, uh, well-liked director of photography, um, but it just seemed like the whole set was just not 
like they had already had a couple safety inspections, I guess, mm. at, until that point. Um, we should just ban actors from owning guns. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I, dude, everybody in America is getting guns. Wants guns, has guns, getting guns. Dude, I'm check. Like, if you tell me everybody wants a gun, I'll be like, good. Like, okay. we are more, we have better gun rights than you guys. I, but I, I, but we have so many mass shootings. And we're a European I, country. I'm just. We're a European country. We have better access to guns than you guys do. I mean, that's great. I mean, <laughs> I'm happy for you. But we, I mean, it, we have so many mass shootings here. I mean, it's insane the amount of shootings. I don't know. That is true. Uh, they, like, what happened? We're going at like massive tangents here from uh, spending too much time online. That's fine. But that's perfect. I just kind of I don't know like what because I remember like hearing about like when I was a little kid how like mental hospitals in the U.S. are like everybody like it's it's very difficult to get out of one. What happened to them, right? Because like if 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 your mental hospitals are so restrictive. That it's like th- that you you have an issue of too many people ended up in a mental hospital even when they're not supposed to. How do you then end up with people that are supposed to be in a mental hospital not being in one? I I don't know that our mental hospitals have ever been or psychiatric hospitals at all at all. Um, oh, here's a here's a study from 2017. Um, we have a, a, have lost a lot of psychiatric hospitals, apparently. I mean, our healthcare is not... Oh, I, I think I shut them down then, fair enough. Yeah, I think I think a lot of them yeah. are sh- shutting down. The disappearance of long-term Why are you shutting them down when you need more? Because all of our money, all of the money we have, goes to selling weapons to Ukraine. I, just, I don't know. Uh, and not just Ukraine. Well, if you're selling them, how do you lose money selling weapons? Well, okay, all of our I, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. We're sending a lot of money to we're sending a lot of taxpayer money to the the our military for some reason. Wasn't there like a 10 billion or 5 billion dollar accounting error where you sent them like a couple billion more than you were supposed to? <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. Uh thing yeah. is I, a lot of so this is uh, side note, because actually, because you know, Czech Republic, Eastern European country, we have a lot of Eastern, you know, old Soviet weapons. Uh, yeah. One of the main ways you guys are, well, not main, but like one of the big ways you guys are actually giving weapons to Ukraine is former Soviet countries give weapons that actually Ukraine knows how to work with right. to Ukraine, and in exchange, you give us massive, I mean, massive discounts on new ones from the U.S. There we go. That sounds like so, us. Hey, I, I'm not going to complain about a bunch of F-35s for the price of, like, I don't, I don't even know how much You're of a massive discount you guys fucking gave F-35? I, they're not great. <laughs> how many how many dollars, dollars, like a trillion dollars to develop that plane, and it can't fly if it rains? Like, <laughs> it's not great. Hey, hey, we have grip ends right now. It's a big upgrade. <laughs> uh. Yeah, you're, you're you're looking at this from your America perspective. If every fucking fighter plane is good, so one that doesn't fly while you're in the rain is a bad thing. I'm glad it can at least fly, dude. <laughs> I mean, I, I I just don't see what was wrong with the F-15. It was great, still works. It's I mean, anyway. 
I know. I know. We, right. we, anyway. The radar crossplay, like the radar, like come on. No, I, it is cool that the F-35 can be stealth. It, it's like they just tried to make one plane for all of the military, and so like. Uh, yeah, which is cool for small countries like us, where we need only we can only support one kind of plane. Yeah. Right. It wasn't made for you guys. You knew you were going to bring it to this little country in Central Europe called Czech Republic, who cannot have a bunch of different planes because we barely have ten. Okay. We're happy with our ten, twelve planes. Um. Yeah. No. I. Wait. I do. Don't, wait. I just realized. Don't most aircraft carriers carry like three times that? Like, don't most aircraft carriers have like thirty, forty plane capacity? Some, That'd be like funny that, if yeah. the average aircraft carrier had like more, multiple times more planes than we own as an entire like fighter planes than we own as an entire country. How, how many can it hold? How many? Uh, 64? You guys, okay, you, you guys on a single carrier can carry more planes, like six times more planes than we probably even have. <laughs> that so, is hilarious. Uh, 80 to 100, actually. 80 to 100 planes. Okay, 8 to, 100, to, eight to 10 times more. Wow. <laughs> That's, that sounds like freedom. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm... I'm uh, it's I like big machines. I like big cars and trucks and stuff. Like very cool. Uh, why do we need? Uh, why I don't know why we need this much. To be honest, like I don't. But it great. Yeah. Because I'm, you can. It's yeah. think about it. If when if you had five thousand bucks right now, and somebody was like, hey, for, and you don't need the five thousand bucks. It's literally throwaway money. Okay. Someone came to you, and they were like, "I have this GPU, GeForce GTX 30, 40, whatever the fuck we're up to, 90." 40, 90. Yeah. Right. 40, 90. Sure. <laughs> Is that actually how how far we are now? Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. There's a GTX 40, for two thousand bucks. Do you want it? Would you say no if that five thousand bucks has literally nothing to you? No. I've... No, I would. I would definitely. You would die. want it exactly. See, so why wouldn't you guys have them? But if, but see, we, why are you having have, a different standard for your government than you we have? We have billions of trillions of dollars. Apparently, why don't we have healthcare? <laughs> I mean, Canada does. What do you mean healthcare? You have healthcare. Well, you have no, the best healthcare, healthcare in the world. We have private healthcare costs. Uh, $20,000. But so does Germany, so does Czech Republic, so does France, so do most countries in Europe. But but I I don't want to pay for my health care. <laughs> I don't want to pay $20,000 to have a child. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go into crippling But sure, but that's, that's, a, that's a single payer issue. That's not a health care issue. Like, we also have mostly private health care. But we don't, like, that's a payer structure issue. Well, okay. That's you, what... you, don't, you do not want public health care. Like, UK has public health care. And it is atrocious. Like, I can't get a blood test. That's how bad it is. Waiting lists for any doctor are, like, months and years. Like, people die on waiting lists. There's there's people I've heard about, like, the, like some friends know somebody, who, when they came into the doctor, they had, like, stage one cancer. By the time they actually got to see a professional for their first proper scan, it was stage four Literally, the slowness of the system killed them. The public health care 
is atrociously bad. Like people die because of it. Yeah. But I so. s- yeah. Okay. I guess yeah. I guess what I mean then is I want a uh, a different pay structure for my healthcare because. I don't sure. want to. Yeah, that's fair. Because in America, people are dying because they can't afford health. I mean, like they don't even see a doctor, you know. But at or, least, like my 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 view is like at least they get the potential. Because here you don't. But like yeah, it's I, like I personally I like the European model, right? Like because their in, like insurance com- like health insurance is heavily regulated. Yeah. So everybody can afford it, but it's still very much like everything else. Everything is private. Because that's the only way it works well. That I mean, even that would make sense in America, and that would even that would make sense, and it would, I think it would be a fairly, I mean, obviously, <laughs> we've had our attempts at uh, a different, a different model, but um, you know, Obamacare. You? Just, what, like if, well, Obamacare. I they, thought Obamacare was only for like specific people. Well, it, it was. It was eventually. It was kind of stripped down, but essentially. Oh, uh, okay. It it started as a copy of Massachusetts, you know, single payer single payer model or whatever it, you know the one that Mitt Romney put in, um, and uh, yeah, you know, Republicans are just like we're not going to vote for that, we're not letting it through, blah blah blah, and so it it just got stripped down, and it it's just like yeah, now you have to have healthcare. We have uh, open markets, like if you don't get uh, insurance through your employer, you have to. Or you don't have an employer, you have to get insurance on like this marketplace. But most mm-hmm. states have their own like state-run healthcare. So here in Washington State, it's Apple Care or whatever. Okay. Apple Health, I guess. I but like then, Apple Care <laughs> now for people. Yeah, yeah. You go, go down to the Genius <laughs> Bar. Dude, okay, I want to talk about uh, that too. So, because you, uh, you are uh, in the European area, um, so yeah. now uh, the the new right to repair thing with Apple products, uh, so that if if there's a uh, their device has an issue, they now have the option to rent the tools from a from a, a rental place, and the, uh, the like the tool rental is some insane price and the tools themselves weigh 70 pounds and if you break oh yeah the tools are so over engineered it's so cool <laughs> and if it's you, beautiful if it's you, amazing i you, love it so much if you break you know you're reliable if you break your uh yeah if you break any of the tools you have to pay for that which is like okay but um yeah, yeah they made fair. they put in all the right to repair but it's uh <laughs> apple's still trying to find well, a way the- around it the point of the right to repair is you can get the parts, right? Because the issue wasn't, oh, I can't get the tool. Like, everyone has their own tools. Like, nobody needs the tools from Apple. What people needed is to get the fucking board, get the fucking chips, get like get yeah. that stuff. And that becoming accessible was a major fucking win. Because, like, if, if you want to repair something, the fact that you don't have the right tool, fuck it, build it, right? Like, there, there's ways around not having the right tool. There yeah. isn't a way around not having the chip. So I think it, it like the main part of it was right getting like being able to actually get the part. Like you cuz it used to be like I don't know, like iPhone 5S when it had like the touch ID thing with the you press on it. Right. 
you couldn't get the part, right? If you got, if even if you somehow managed to get a part, it wouldn't work properly because those wouldn't integrate correctly because right. the actual encryption part of it wouldn't actually function. Yeah, the DRM. So the fact that that yeah, so the, the fact that with white to repair that now operates properly is the major difference. The tool to repair it, who cares, right? Yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't have that in the US. <laughs> I, no, but you guys can still buy the parts. That's true. Because of because of Europe, it's now available in the US. Yeah. And uh and Apple will be switching to USB C as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, of the I'm Europe. stoked for that. <laughs> I love USB C. Big big proponent. Uh, well, they already switched, didn't they? Isn't like the iPhone 15 with USB-C? I think maybe the new one. I, I don't know. Yeah, the new one, iPhone 15. 15, yeah. Yep, that's USB-C. Nice. So uh, we've kind of come to the end of the hour, but uh, we, I'm having so much fun. But um, is there anyone else, any other uh, things or, or things you would, or, or people or creators or any other spaces you want to shout out or anything? Any other stuff that I watch or consume, uh, I can just like pull up my podcast and like go let you like tell you about the, all that in there if you oh, want. Yeah, please. I would like to uh, at least write down your podcast so we can make sure we get that tag right, and people know where to find you. Startups. Oh, my! I thought like the one I was gonna say the ones I listen to. Oh, but yeah, oh, sure. I'll, I'll well, tell you my podcast too. All, all of that. All of it. All of it. All right. All of it. <laughs> So what do I listen to? How do I get it to just show me the podcasts? Uh, so what, like Spotify, I, I use it instead of uh, instead of what's it called? Instead of like a, a Apple Podcasts because it lets me play back faster. Yeah. But it's a pain to try to find stuff. There we go. Your library and podcasts. Yeah, uh, I, I like having everything in my Spotify library, but. Um, yeah, and I also like Spotify has video podcasts now, which is cool. Ah, fair. So there's one called Business Breakdowns uh, by Colossus, which is really cool because it goes through some of like the financial stuff of businesses and stuff like that, which is very very interesting uh, for me. Uh, like if you're into that kind of, you know, if you want to understand like balance sheets and shit and how to do it for your business and stuff, it's quite cool. Uh, there's one called Acquired, which is basically uh, about like how like, the story of some business, like different businesses, and how they end up getting acquired. Interesting. Okay. Uh, there is one called How to Take Over the World, uh, which is just like histories of different people uh, that did something major. Like there's some about Genghis Khan, there's Oppenheimer, like all these like very influential people and like uh, major stuff they did. Nice. Uh, there's Deep Dive with Ali Abdal, uh, which I, is, I don't listen to that much, but occasionally inter- interview some really interesting people. And generally, actually, Ali, actually, Ali Abdal is a very interesting example of how he worked with content. Uh, because he was originally in med school, right, when he started. Right. And he ended up having his, and then he became a doctor. And as he was working as a doctor, his YouTube channel and all that was making him more money then he was getting paid as a salary as a doctor. So he ended up leaving medicine for a while, being like, I'll come back to it later. And then eventually he just never did, and now he just kind of has small businesses running like out of his YouTube channel. And he's very much, because 
you know, a lot of people when they build businesses, they're like, let's grow it, let's scale it, let's go very far. But he's managed to build his businesses in a way where they support everything he wants to do, but it gives him, like, it's the kind of freedom that a lot of people talk about getting out of having kind of the medium-sized businesses. Because if you go too big, right, if, you know, if my business is successful, it's going to be so much work just running it. Right. But the way he's kind of thought out scaling his businesses and going about it, he's like f- found that right equilibrium what kind of lets him be really happy. So it's, he's, he's a very interesting example of how to structure your businesses, especially as a creator. Hmm. Uh, there's one called Big Shot, uh, which is basically like different Jewish uh, entrepreneurs that have been very successful. Uh, and their stories, because a lot of those have ne- like are not people that really do interviews and stuff. Right. So it's very very interesting to hear it. Uh, there's well, you know, since we talked about tech, I'm sure you'll know this. There's the When Show. Again, I rarely ever listen to it, but occasionally it's interesting, so it pops up there. Uh, there is one called Strike It Big. Uh, it's actually a guy that who's originally started. So he had like a toy store. But his way to content started with uh, TikTok. And he's this older guy who was making like uh, a, a lot of content there. And uh, occasionally has some very interesting interviews. Uh, so it's Mark Tilbury. So, so strike it big. Uh, there's the Iced Coffee Hour by Graham Stephan. I feel like a lot of people know Graham. Again, he's a, he actually has a very interesting repertoire of guests. Because he's not someone who really does politics or anything like that. He basically, most of his content is just like fi- like personal finance and stuff like that. But on his like Ice Coffee Hour podcast, he's interviewed people that are like very, very, very right wing. And people who are like very, very, very left wing. Both extremely controversial. And somehow he's just kind of like having these very different conversations with them than I feel like almost anyone has. Hmm. And it makes for very interesting interviews. Uh, and yeah, so that, that's, that's one that's like very interesting the way he kind of gets out of his guests. Uh, there's a, what is this? Oh, okay. So this is somebody that actually also, uh, originally kind of started his content journey through TikTok. It's called the really rich podcast, which is a horrible fucking name. <laughs> uh, but he occasionally does interviews with some very interesting people. Uh, again, like, most of them not that interesting, but occasionally there's something uh, quite good. Uh, same with Huberman Lab. Like I occasionally listen to something because there's something specific, uh, but uh, not too much. I think everybody knows Huberman Lab. That's yeah, you know, kind of universal. Oh, this is the yellow circle with two guys logo. It's Colin and Samir. Uh, they interview a lot of like YouTube people, and it's oh, okay. very very interesting. Uh, like the, the perspectives on content, we can kind of learn about it for the marketing perspective is really cool. Uh, Tim Ferriss, everybody knows it. I don't listen to Tim Ferriss much, but occasionally, again, there's something interesting. Uh, what else is here? Uh, well, Alex Hermosi has a podcast that I don't really listen to much, but mm. uh, he put out one of his books, the audiobook of it, okay. as just podcast episodes that you could go through because he was like, yeah, fuck Audible. I'll just put it out this way. Yeah. So that's why I follow that because uh, I'm going through the audiobook, and yeah, that seems like it's mostly it. There's like some like random little things that I haven't listened to in ages. The only thing left in there is my podcast then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's a lot of great stuff. Thank you for all that. I mean, um, 
Yeah, I find myself like on like two or three different podcasts, but I I know there's just so many out there. I'm sure I could be doing more. I uh, I try to find like um, kind of comedy podcasts. That's one of my mm-hmm. one of the podcasts I do or have been doing for a while. Is kind of like centered on that. So um, find myself in there, but. Uh, what are your favorite podcasts? Uh, so, uh, one is just a bunch of Twitch streamers that I follow, and they happen to have a podcast together. It's Fear and, um, which is it's pretty chill. It's just great kind of second screen content. Um, and uh, I don't know if you ever watched the show Psych, <laughs> but I um, no. I used to like that show a lot, and uh, they now have a Psych rewatch podcast with two of the cast of the show and they have people on from the show and things like that. Very cute. Um, but kind of interestingly with them, since the, the actor strike, they haven't mm-hmm. been watching the podcast. I like, well, we can't, you know, part of this negotiation is specifically about the, uh, uh residuals from streamers, mm-hmm. you know, streaming sites. So we're not going to talk about the, the show anymore. So now they just talk about, whatever and going to the picket lines and stuff like that. So uh, that's pretty fun. Uh, I like a lot of stuff like that. That's kind of like the insider Hollywood stuff. Um, Another one I listen to is um, fly on the wall, which is Mm -hmm. David Spade and Dana Carvey from SNL, obviously. So they have people on who are tangentially related to Saturday night live and just talk about, you know the show or or whatever um which is kind of cool to hear it from them and kind of hear those stories um i don't know what are some other ones uh fingers on buzzers that's a funny one (laughs) uh where's my podcast yes podcast (laughs) and show Uh, I don't even know. I, don't, I can't see any other ones on there, but fair, fair. Because you know, because you make content with like podcasts and stuff. Are you someone that wants to like more, more follow the journey of like take that into a traditional media route, or are you someone that's like you want to build that out into like an online media content empire? If in the ideal world, I mean, I I think ideally I'd like it to be. I mean, it would probably be mostly online. I, I don't really see myself moving mm-hmm. into traditional media, but I, I like to, um, I like to kind of understand traditional media. I guess you know, I, I like to. I mean, I, I do like watching movies and TV a lot. So, um, kind of seeing how those shows are put together and using, you know, if I can use some kind of lesson or something about making my own stuff. Um, we, you know, I have, uh, this other podcast that I do with my friend, Joey, um, he kind of built a studio in, he's a business owner. He owns a pizza shop and he had this basement mm-hmm. and he wanted to do a podcast. So I said, well, I'll help you put together a studio. So he built, please tell me that studio is in front of the pizza oven. I lo- like, I would love to see a studio where the background is a, like a proper nice like classic that would, pizza that would be really cool unfortunately he's got this um huge stone wood fire pizza oven 
I mean, it, it would be beautiful to do it there. I'm just saying, like, it's in the middle of the restaurant, so I just don't think it's totally well, tenable. Why don't you record once it closed? Because, like, do you record while it's running or once it's closed? We record, uh, record when it's closed or, like... Um... Yeah, so you could put, like... Because you can, you know, you can take, like, C-stands or whatever, put, like, dampening on it, so you put it on the side that's not visible on the camera, and then the background will be this beautiful pizza oven. I mean, that would be cool. That's a good and you idea. could even have it running, so you can see a little bit of fire in the background. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't because he we, he knows a lot of other you know pizza chefs and stuff. Like, I think it'd be really cool to do like a pizza podcast with the pizza. Oh, oven. and they could then what they could do is like as you're doing the intro, they're finishing up like doing the pizza. They throw it in the oven. Yeah. Then they go introduce themselves, and then you guys pull out the pizza, and it's like the the theme of it is. Is that you can eat the pizza during the podcast, and as soon as the pizza's finished, the podcast's finished. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay, I'm, I'm writing that down. We'll talk about it. But uh, we, you know, he did have this purpose-built space uh, with a beautiful art piece put in there. But um... fair. But anyway, what I was saying was that podcast, my other comedy podcast, and this podcast, um, plus my Twitch stream, and. YouTube. I'm 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 trying to build towards like a, a maybe not an empire, but a a small hill of online content. So the mountain Everest of uh, content. Got it. Yeah, exactly. That's. Um. So yeah, would you like to uh, shout out your own other podcasts? Um. Uh, oh yeah, sure. I always forget to do like shadows and stuff. Amazing. No, that's fine. Uh, I, I, usually, I usually just rely on people Googling me, uh, but the podcast is Q-U-A-N number 2-M. It's called Quantum, but you can just also just Google me, just Alison Mahmood. I just pop up as like the first 10, 12 results. So I've got, I've got unique enough name that I've got the entire thing occupied. Okay, So nice. Either one works. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much. I mean... Uh... This has this has been great, and thank you for for just coming on. Even though we, <laughs> I've literally done this podcast, the first episode we did yesterday, and today's the second episode. So, <laughs> uh, that was good fun. I appreciate it, and uh, once I have everything, you know, figured out, we'll do it again sometime, and it will be less uh, messy, I guess. I don't know. Oh, and I'm uh, I'll be in Germany in June, so if you want to hang out. <laughs> all right we'll meet up if i'm uh, in germany by chance uh we'll see but yeah all right thanks everyone uh thank you and uh